Chapter 10 of Lilith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pete Williams. Lilith by George MacDonald. Chapter 10 The Bad Burrow. As the air grew black, and the winter closed swiftly around me, the fluttering fire blazed out more luminous, and arresting its flight, hovered, waiting. So soon as I came under its radiance, it flew slowly on, lingering now and then above spots where the ground was rocky. Every time I looked up, it seemed to have grown larger, and at length gave me an attendant shadow. Plainly a bird butterfly, it flew with a certain swallowy double. Its wings were very large, nearly square, and flashed all the colors of the rainbow. Wondering at their splendor, I became so absorbed in their beauty that I stumbled over a low rock, and lay stunned. When I came to myself, the creature was hovering over my head, radiating the whole cord of light, with multitudinous gradations and some kinds of color I had never before seen. I rose and went on, but... Unable to take my eyes off the shining thing to look to my steps, I struck my foot against a stone. Fearing then another fall, I sat down to watch the little glory, and a great longing awoke in me to have it in my hand. To my unspeakable delight it began to sink toward me. Slowly at first, then swiftly it sank, growing larger as it came nearer. I felt as if the treasure of the universe were giving itself to me, put out my hand, and had it. But the instant I took it, its light went out. All was dark as pitch. A dead book with boards outspread lay cold and heavy in my hand. I threw it in the air, only to hear it fall among the heather. Burying my face in my hands, I sat in motionless misery. But the cold grew so bitter that, fearing to be frozen, I got up. The moment I was on my feet, a faint sense of light awoke in me. Is it coming to life? I cried, and a great pang of hope shot through me. Alas, no. It was the edge of a moon, peering up keen and sharp over a level horizon. She brought me light, but no guidance. She would not hover over me, would not wait on my faltering steps. She could but offer me an ignorant choice. With a full face she rose, and I began to see a little about me. Westward of her, and not far from me, a range of low hills broke the horizon line. I set out for it. But what a night I had to pass ere I reached it. The moon seemed to know something, for she stared at me oddly. Her look was indeed icy cold, but full of interest, or at least curiosity. She was not the same moon I had known on the earth. Her face was strange to me, and her light yet stranger. Perhaps it came from an unknown sun. Every time I looked up, I found her staring at me with all her might. At first I was annoyed, as at the rudeness of a fellow creature. But soon I saw, or fancied, a certain wondering pity in her gaze. Why was I out in her night? Then first I knew what an awful thing it was to be awake in the universe. I was, and could not help it.
As I walked, my feet lost the heather, and trod a bare spongy soil, something like dry powdery peat. To my dismay it gave a momentary heave under me, then presently I saw what seemed the ripple of an earthquake running on before me, shadowy in the low moon. It passed into the distance, but, while yet I stared after it, a single wave rose up, and came slowly toward me. A yard or two away it burst, and from it, with a scramble and a bound, issued an animal like a tiger. About his mouth and ears hung clots of mold, and his eyes winked and flamed as he rushed at me, showing his white teeth in a soundless snarl. I stood fascinated, unconscious of either courage or fear. He turned his head to the ground, and plunged into it. That moon is affecting my brain, I said as I resumed my journey. What life can be here but the phantasmic, the stuff of which dreams are made? I am indeed walking in a vain show. Thus I strove to keep my heart above the waters of fear, nor knew that she whom I distrusted was indeed my defense from the realities I took for phantoms. Her light controlled the monsters, else had I scarce taken a second step on the hideous ground. I will not be appalled by that which only seems, I said to myself, yet felt it a terrible thing to walk on a sea where such fishes disported themselves below. With that, a step or two from me, the head of a worm began to come slowly out of the earth, as big as that of a polar bear, and much resembling it, with a white mane to its red neck. The drawing wiggles with which its huge length extricated itself were horrible, yet I dared not turn my eyes from them. The moment its tail was free, it lay as if exhausted, wallowing in feeble effort to burrow again. Does it live on the dead, I wondered, and is it unable to hurt the living? If they scent their prey and come out, why do they leave me unharmed? I know now it was the moon paralyzed them. All the night through as I walked, hideous creatures, no two alike, threatened me. In some of them, beauty of color enhanced loathliness of shape. One large serpent was covered from head to distant tail with feathers of glorious hues. I became at length so accustomed to their hurtless menaces that I fell to beguiling the way with the invention of monstrosities never suspecting that I owed each moment of life to the staring moon. Though hers was no primal radiance, it so hampered the evil things that I walked in safety. For light is yet light, if but the last of a countless series of reflections. How swiftly would not my feet have carried me over the restless soil, had I known that, if still within their range when her lamp ceased to shine on the cursed spot, I should that moment be at the mercy of such as had no mercy, the center of a writhing heap of hideousness, every individual of it as terrible as before it had but seemed. Fool of ignorance, I watched the descent of the weary, solemn, anxious moon down the widening vault above me, with no worse uneasiness than the dread of losing my way, where as yet I had indeed no way to lose. I was drawing near the hills I had made my goal, and she was now not far from their skyline, when the soundless wallowing ceased, 
and the burrow lay motionless and bare. Then I saw, slowly walking over the light soil, the form of a woman. A white mist floated about her, now assuming, now losing to reassume, the shape of a garment, as it gathered to her or was blown from her by a wind that dogged her steps. She was beautiful, but with such a pride at once and misery on her countenance that I could hardly believe what yet I saw. Up and down she walked, vainly endeavoring to lay hold of the mist and wrap it around her. The eyes in the beautiful face were dead, and on her left side was a dark spot, against which she would now and then press her hand, as if to stifle pain or sickness. Her hair hung nearly to her feet, and sometimes the wind would so mix it with the mist that I could not distinguish the one from the other. But when it fell gathering together again, it shone a pale gold in the moonlight. Suddenly pressing both hands on her heart, she fell to the ground, and the mist rose from her and melted in the air. I ran to her, but she began to writhe in such torture that I stood aghast. A moment more, and her legs, hurrying from her body, sped away, serpents. From her shoulders fled her arms as in terror, serpents also. Then something flew up from her like a bat, and when I looked again, she was gone. The ground rose like the sea in a storm. Terror laid hold upon me. I turned to the hills and ran. I was already on the slope of their base when the moon sank behind one of their summits, leaving me in its shadow. Behind me rose a waste and sickening cry, as of frustrate desire, the only sound I had heard since the fall of the dead butterfly. It made my heart shake like a flag in the wind. I turned, saw many dark objects bounding after me and made for the crest of a ridge on which the moon still shone. She seemed to linger there, that I might see to defend myself. Soon I came in sight of her, and climbed the faster. Crossing the shadow of a rock I heard the creatures panting at my heels. But just as the foremost threw himself upon me with a snarl of greedy hate, we rushed into the moon together. She flashed out an angry light, and he fell from me, a bodiless blotch. Strength came to me, and I turned on the rest. But one by one, as they darted into the light, they dropped with a howl, and I saw, or fancied, a strange smile on the round face above me. I climbed to the top of the ridge. Far away shone the moon, sinking to a low horizon. The air was pure and strong. I descended a little way, found it warmer, and sat down to wait the dawn. The moon went below, and the world again was dark. End of chapter 10 Recording by Pete Williams, Pittsburgh, PA